Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. We test things, we try things, we see what works and what doesn't work. And, and even now, if I think about like, you know, this, this inflation, which we haven't seen in like 40 years at this level, right? No one in living memory is like working at the moment that's seen what this is like. And so there's no answer. The only answer is really experiment and learn and see and, and, and be ready to change and be comfortable with that, with that failure. And, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you move on. This is Christian Mo Isaac former restaurateur and now co-founder at Tenso. Tenso is on a mission to revolutionize how restaurants and retailers use their data to boost their performance. In this conversation, Christian shares his entrepreneurial journey from a restaurateur to a tech founder. We dive into the why behind Tenso and how hospitality business has a vast potential to utilize their data to make even better business decisions. Especially we touch on how you can combine your gut feeling with hardcore data points. We talk about what kind of business mindset you need to really utilize your data. And Christian shares some real life examples of how operators had some amazing breakthroughs on the bottom line by using data. They have found out the 20% they give 80%. We also talk about the industry's current challenges and possible solutions and he shares how he makes difficult decisions as a business leader. If you liked today's episode, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review of the show on either our website, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guests and ultimately better learning for you. Now dear Maverick, it's time to grab your pen and notebook and enjoy. I am often very excited about conversations and uh, we already had a very good start before we start recording here, today's guest and me, and uh, we're going to be talking about something as exciting or you might think something as boring as data, because you've heard me before says, you know, uh, data is key to make better leadership decisions. God is good, but with no data, it can really take you into a very serious route of challenges. And I've always believed, because of my, my background in McDonald's, but also a big fan of good to great, you have to face the brutal facts. And if you don't have the brutal facts, you're going to make a lot of wrong decisions. So I'm super excited to have Christian on as a guest today from, from Tenso. Welcome to the show, Christian. Thanks, Michael, for having me. Really excited. I've enjoyed our conversation so far and, and excited to continue. So people that haven't by, you know, by any chance, you know, heard about you and because you as a person and your background as a before Tenso as a restaurateur is really what made Tenso come to this world and, you know, started actually to help leaders to get better data 
point to make better decisions. Yes, so ha happy to give you a bit of of, of the journey from to, to 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 get to Tenzo. So um, it all started off. So I, I originally studied computer science, um, and then went to set up a chain of restaurants. So not the most obvious career path. There was computer scientist turned restauranter. I um, I set up a chain of restaurants called Hummus Brothers um, in London and um, grew that to, to six locations. We were doing pop-ups in lots of different um, corporate restaurants like you know Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan's canteens. We would just go and set up a pop-up and, and serve our, our great food. And, and along that, that, that journey, I, I kind of discovered two things. One, that running restaurants is really hard, right? Like from the outside, you, you know, it's not that complicated, right? Prepare some food, bring it to the table, people love it. They tell their friends, repeat, right? It, it seems so simple. Uh, I can tell you, having seen it, uh, just like you, you, it is, you know, there's a lot of operational complexity. There's a lot of moving parts. There's, um, you have a lot of big teams. And so, and you're, and you're handling produce that has a, a finite shelf life, right? So all these things make it actually very complex to run effectively. And the second learning I had was just how hard it was for me to really get the, the, the information, the data I needed in my hands, but more importantly, in my GM's hands. So the, 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 the managers in the restaurants who were making the decisions, who were the ones that were deciding how much staff to have, how much inventory to have, how to motivate the team to sell. I wanted to get them to have data in their hands so that they could make those decisions more optimally. And, you know, restaurants are margin business. You need to be tweaking and running them as efficiently as possible to really be successful. And with that disconnect between the data, which was typically sitting at head office and the GMs in the restaurant that didn't have that transparency, that visibility in the, in the business in real time, just meant that they weren't able to make the best decisions. And that's why I set up Tenzo, which what does Tenzo do? We basically connect to various data sources. So your POS, your till to get your sales data, your labor and your inventory to bring all that data together to make it accessible really easily, really simply on mobile in real time in the hands of the GMs to help them make better decisions. And, and, and how long has that journey been now, Christian? Was it from the restaurants and then to where you are now? Yeah, so brand ran Hummus Brothers for the good part of a decade and have been now uh, running Tenzo for, for about five years. So it's been in total a, a 15 year like career in the in the hospitality industry. What is like the, the, the main problem you see you solve when you connect these data points? Besides you, it's easy to get the data and the information out to the, the GMs, but what have you, some of the things you've seen as you've been on this journey? Because I guess also it's a learning journey of how you actually, because there's so much data in hospitality, it's more about how you curate it, I think, lots of it. T totally agree. I mean, uh, in our world, there's so much data now, right? And, and, and often we have these really interesting conversations with our customers who are like, oh, but there's all this interesting data and that interesting data, and we want to bring it all together and make better decisions. And at the end of the day, when I think about our users, they're mostly general managers or area managers and also head office. So like the whole operational part of like the, the, the business. And a lot of that ops team is not actually sitting in front of a computer 
you know, go, lo looking through data, right? They're generally on the move. They need to be able to like see things quickly on their phone uh, to make decisions in the moment, right? And actually for them, less is more. Really, they don't, they can't pull on an infinite amount of, of levers on a day-to-day. -day. And in my view, there's three levers that they can really pull. There's, they can try to increase their sales by motivating their team to upsell, to like upsell a, a dish or a drink to, to, to customers who walk in. They can maintain labor. They could make sure that they have the right amount of labor at the right time. So less in the quiet times and more in the busy times to capture that. And then really wastage. So how much inventory is in and that. Those are your three levers. Actually giving them more than that is difficult. It confuses the, the, the picture because they're thinking, well, should I be doing something about that? Actually, it's really saying, no, these are the three levers. You can't change your rent. You can't really change your marketing budget for, on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's more of a strategic. So actually limiting it to what they can really have an input on is really important. Yeah, that, that's, that's super interesting. What is the mission of uh, Tento again? Because when you started out, you probably had a mission, a vision, the purpose of why I'm doing this. Yeah, so our mission is really to empower restaurant operators to use their data to accelerate business performance. So really it's thinking about the operators, as I was saying, like the, 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 the GMs, the area managers, the director of operations, to really give them the data they need To, to get the business to run as efficiently as possible. And uh, what, what is the, you know, the aim? What is like, what, 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 look, what, like, what would great look like? You know, is there like a crazy goal somewhere that like every operator in the world has Tenso or? or... So yeah, you, you, are you like the, what's the promised land in a way? What's the vision? <laughs> so, so really like, so we, we can talk about goals in terms of, of growth generally, but, but really, What, what success looks like to me is a more sustainable and successful restaurant industry, right? And what does that mean? The, the, the two things I saw when I ran restaurants that really, like that really was, is why I want Tenzo to be successful is one, we were wasting so much food as a business, right? Like no restaurant operator goes out there wanting to waste this amount of food. But the reality is that you can't, it's so hard to see how much you need to produce because there's a lot of volatility in sales. And it's and, and so therefore you often overproduce or underproduce and that's just not efficient. But like the amount of waste we generated was just really, really upsetting to me. And someone actually put it really well for me the other day. It was, she said, you know, and she worked in, in a restaurant. She said, I, I used to waste in a restaurant the amount of food equivalent to the amount I've wasted at home over a whole year right? Because, you know, she's in the restaurant, they were serving hundreds of people. And so, you know, like the amount of food that would be thrown was the equivalent of hundreds of, 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 of days at home, right? And, and I think that so that was number one. Number two is, there's a lot of, of stress in the industry, because you're running this, you need to run this tight ship, They're like, there's a lot of pressure from if you put too much staff, you'll be told by by your by the management, like you need to reduce if you don't put enough, then your customers are upset and your team is upset because they're running around. So there's a lot of stress. And really what I, what, what I want to do with Tenzo is, is, is really address both of those problems. Help restaurants get a better view as to what they need to produce and make sure they order the right amount of food and don't waste. And to make, give visibility in the, in, in the business and how to run it to make sure that they're not stressed in running the day-to-day. 
Yeah, so actually it's it's making the the industry better as we talked about when we went on the show. I you asked me why I did the podcast. It's exactly that. How can we make a better industry and, and you know, waste on all levels, you know, if it's food waste, labor waste, financial waste, you know, people uh, that's being burned out by not doing things in a smart way. So so how how are, you know, you can also we can turn this question around a bit like how good are we in hospitality to use the data we have then? to make better business decisions. Because like, if you think about it, the level of digitalization we have now in the industry and tools like Tenso and other tools as well, your, your post has become better and so on. How good are we using that, this data? Are we, are we, are we become better at it or is it, is it, what is your view? That's a really interesting question because actually, um, so when I think about how you can like how well the industry uses the data. I think there's kind of several steps along that way, right? So one is you need to make sure you're collecting, collating all this data, right? The second one is really you need to be able to analyze that data for insights, right? So that you're able to know, like just getting the raw data is not really helpful. You need to be able to like say what's, what's a so what, right? You also need to be able to use that data to predict what's going to happen because it's not just about looking backwards, it's looking forwards. And then finally, you need to be able to know how to act on that data, right? So if I think about like that framework in terms of collecting, analyzing and predicting and acting, the, I think on the collection to what you're right, we, the industry has got a lot better at this. And I think the, the pandemic was a huge driver also on this, right? So what, during the pandemic, people couldn't just walk off the street into a restaurant, so they had to order by click and collect or, or by delivery or whatever it was. So therefore there were more tools, technology that was put in place to collect more data ultimately, effectively, right? To serve the customer. So actually, I think we're seeing an incredible improvement from that side. And I think what's happening now is that running a business is becoming very, more difficult and in particular hospitality, but I think generally more difficult across the board because there's been more inflation, uh, there, you know, interest rates are going up, so therefore it's more focus on costs. And what's happening is that restauranters, like in other industries, are realizing that they have to look at their data and they have to be able to run their businesses more efficiently because the market is effectively, there's more and more pressure. And that's really pushing restauranters to actually get a lot better at doing the analysis, predicting what's going to happen next and understanding that they need to be able to like do that in real time, because this is where I think the industry really has this biggest leap to make still, is the only way to really act on the data is for it to be in real time. Because if you think about, let's say you told your team at lunch, your GM says to the team, hey, let's all push the mint and ginger lemonade today. It's a nice warm day. Let's all push the mint and ginger and try to upsell that. If you don't, if you can't after lunch say, team, we sold to 70% of, of all people who walked in a mint and ginger lemonade. That's a great result. What questions did we ask? How did we do that? What can we learn? If you can't do that there and then, you can't, that, that's lost. That opportunity to improve is lost because if you did it a week later, everyone will have forgotten what they did that specific day. So that's the bit where I think that the, the, where the rubber really meets the road is they're collecting well, they're starting to analyze and predict a lot better, but now is really getting it in real time on mobile in the hands of these GMs that really makes all the difference here in terms of, in terms of getting the best performance out of the business. 
And that's super interesting. So, so that's you're almost saying is that uh, are we talking about like the ways we we work and the way we actually communicate about learnings in the present now, in a site like we we did this and then actually take that minute or two or three or five minutes out, like you call a stand up in tech, where you actually what did we actually learn from yesterday and what do we need to apply today to build a better product or create a better service. Totally. And I think the, the really, the, when you think about that, you need to make sure you're tailoring the way you're displaying the data to each user. I.e., you can't show a GM the same data you're showing an area manager, the same data you're showing a head office user, both in terms of you know, whether the GM is just seeing their restaurant, the AM area manager is seeing their, their like region, and then the head office sees the whole business. Not only that, but also the way you display it in a more visual and intuitive and easy to understand at the GM. And maybe it's more of, you know, like more complex at the head office, but that you really need to think about how you tailor that use case to really be able to make it very clear what is the action the person should take based on the data that's coming out of that. Yeah, because that's very interesting because what you said is there's definitely more data and I guess also the quality of the data is getting better. But actually, how do we actually then action the right behaviors on back of that? Because one thing is seeing the data. Are you actually acting on it? Are you actually going out to do the behavior that's necessary to correct or improve the business? Uh, because one of the interesting things I've seen with data and done a lot of data work in McDonald's where we looked at how we can improve people and people the people part of mcdonald's are very untangible and actually when we started to get data and statistic on we did it with lots of spreadsheets and our system it's we're talking 2009 here that was not all the, the SaaS solution is much better today but i think when we found out what areas in people to push we could actually see these people processes getting better and thereby we can measure on customer loyalty get better sales went up and we got all that confirmed but in a way and that gave us confidence we need actually to do more on these people practices because they actually help us generate better business and therefore we knew exactly which initiative worked and which didn't of course the learning process and we had the time to do it which often in a restaurant context on a day-to-day level you don't have much time but you can actually as you say just stop up and say what do we actually learn by doing this? Because you would have data in, in real time. But again, it's a significant different way of working. I'm thinking straight away because pausing the operation almost like that sounds like losing money. But I guess you can share some, who, who do, you know, you don't have to put names on. What are some of the best practice you've seen? You know, you know, not only turning on the data platform Tenso, but also actually building that behavior behind it then and actually getting some really huge win from it. After a lunch rush, you typically have a, a quieter period and people are taking taking a break and that might be a good opportunity to, to, to reflect. And, and and I think it's, it again, it needs to be very obvious and, and to the point, right? It, we, it shouldn't be an exercise where someone really has to spend like a long time to really understand. If, and if that's the case, I think we've not been successful. It's, it's really making that insight uh, really like uh, be be obvious in a way that this is what we should do. But I think what we've seen where, like there's a few examples of where we've seen like really incredible success. So for example, um, the, the, the what we work with a number of teams. So I've given the example of the mint and ginger lemonade as an upsell and, 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 and people being able to see if they've been successful and, and, and iterating on that process. And one thing that 
I learned when we did that is how you ask the question to the customer is important. I.e., for example, if you say, would you like a drink with that, sir? Versus, would you like a mint and ginger, ginger lemonade, sir? The first one, you have to look at the menu. You need to think about what you want. Do I want a Coke or do I want a Pepsi or do I want this or do I want that? And there's a, there's a decision that you're making as opposed to on the lemonade. You're like, oh, that, that sounds good. Yes, I'll do that. I don't have to make a much more complicated. And we saw that that really would drive the amount of sales through. So being able to identify that is important in terms of these small tweaks that can have a big impact. But if, for example, if I talk about controlling labor costs, one thing we do with a lot of our customers is we predict, we use machine learning to help predict future sales using weather, historical information, and, uh, and uh, events. So, you know, Mother's Day, Christmas, Easter, etc. But what we do is we propose this number to the general manager and we let the general manager change it up or down. And why do we do this? Because I'm a firm belief that really to get the best answer, you need AI plus the human. And why is that? Because there's no way the machine learning algorithm will have all the information. If there's roadworks outside the front door, it won't know that, right? And therefore the GM, if they aren't able to change that, they'll lose trust in it. And so by really getting them to engage with it, you actually get the best possible answer. And so what we do once we have that answer, we then compare it to what they've planned in labor. And then we're able to say, hey, you've planned X for next week. And this is what you're forecasting in terms of sales. We can alert them before the week starts to help them understand, hey, you're overstaffed or you're understaffed on this day. And same with wastage, right? Being able to, 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 to alert them when either... Uh, ingredient costs are going up or if there's always the same ingredients they're wasting to just be able to alert the GMs on that so that they're able to like not have to look through endless lists of like what are we wasting no this is what the main things or these are the prices that have gone up so that they can focus just on those yeah and and it's interesting also helping people correlating you know the 20% they give 80% because again nobody that runs a business if it's a hospitality business or any kind of business, often have the time to stop up and study that much. They almost, you know, you need to get help getting the right thing presented at the right time in front of you. Exactly. And and I, and I wanted to pick up something you said there because there's a lot to talk about AI, especially in the moment, and the you know it's gonna take over. You know, you know you're not gonna some restaurants you're not gonna have any humans working anymore because AI computers gonna be cooking your food and serving you and and all. And it's really interesting. You as a you know a restaurateur and tech founder now talks about yes AI brings a lot of great things accelerates lots of learning and data points but we still need that human touch to to make an intelligent decision is that what you're saying a hundred percent and I think there's lots of examples of this right fundamentally you know people go out to restaurants because of the hospitality right it's not just about the great food it's about the atmosphere it's about the 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 teams and often you know i'll comment on it when we have like a great experience from in terms from a service point of view you know if the if the waiter or the waitress gave us a you know we had a good time because of them that's something that's memorable and actually our mission is really to help restauranters not have to spend the time in the data and copying and pasting lots of data from excel and i did that when you know when i was running hummus brothers and it, and it's it's not why people go into hospitality industry. They go into hospitality because they love the food. They love the hospitality side of things. And that's why I think really the AI can help 
the, the humans get to a better answer. And then really the, the human has to take it to the end. And that, for example, let's say not just on the forecasting, but let's say you have to schedule a team, you know, putting the right people to work at the right time. You also have to think about who works well together. I remember when I was doing the, the, the schedules at Homeless Brothers, I'd be like, I know she works well with him and he likes working with her. And you can create a really great team. Not It's not just about putting the people randomly. You need to really think about it. And that's where I think... The AI can help saying, hey, I think you need this many people. But then really the human input of saying, I know these people work well together. So it's really about bringing them both together. And, and, and that's how you get the best result. Yeah, that's a really good example about scheduling. You know, you, you, you can get predictions from anything. And I saw it in McDonald's as well, where we're predicting schedules. From, from a head of point of view, we got the systems to do that quite early on, a part of the restaurant in the future. But there's still that local understanding of the business and knowing the team and actually knowing not only maybe they work well together, but actually Tom is going through a lot of struggle uh, in his private life right now. We're not going to ask him for an extra shift. He just needs the space, you know, all those small touch points that makes the team work both short term and long term. A computer would never be able to take those into consideration. And actually that's what sometimes makes and breaks it. A business as well if they get too stretched they will leave or if they don't get enough hour or they said they want extra hour and you haven't put that into the system you know you can get that person extra hour or you say there's no reason to put these two on they'll just create a conflict so let's just keep them on separate shift there's both good people but they just can't stand working together not everyone um, gets on you know <laughs> no no everyone's on uh so, and I think that's really, really interesting because there's so much fear around AI and I actually totally agree with you. AI is actually here to, to optimize some of the work that doesn't really add value as producing numbers or finding shortcuts in how to improve productivity or giving you ideas even, you know. Um, we, we use it here at, here at the podcast as well to create ideas around, you know, both questions but also like, talking points in some of our content so uh, and it works actually it, it makes you think about things you hadn't thought about you still need that human touch to make it maverick as i call it there's no one there's no one else than the culture that understands that if you look at the industry you now you've been here for 15 years like is there any like pressing issue you would like if you had a magic wand you would like see disappearing, you know, because one thing is that we get data to make better decisions. That's great. But is there like a thing you would like to see we in this systemic place in the, in the business, in the industry where a systemic change, I call it a systemic place where lots of things as we had our mindset around, this is how we do things are dis, you know, they either disappear or they are definitely questions. But there's like one thing you would say, if that was different, we'll have a much better industry. That's a really, really interesting question because I think there's lots, there's lots, and 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 not to to, to think outside of like the, the the data piece that that you said. I think one thing that you know, I'm sure you've come across them. Hospitality rising. I've been doing a great job at is, I think it's such an incredible industry, but because of some of the problems I've talked about, like around wastage, around making it a stressful environment it's not been as attractive as it used to be. And actually, I think it is an incredibly fun industry. There's amazing people in the industry. There's incredible passion. And I think there's a lot of 
you know, young people who are considering their careers who are probably not considering it when I think there's inc- that, that, that it's an incredible opportunity now. And, I, th- and I, I would love to, as you say, use this magic wand to be like, to, to give it again that, that shine that it, that it used to have and I, that I think we're going to get back to, in particular with the support of technology in a lot of ways to, to, to make it more, uh, you know, getting people to be able to focus on, the, on what they love, on the passion, on the food again, which, hasn't, which, which has lost a little bit of that. So that's what I would say. Yeah, and I think it's because also we need we need new minds and new power to take the industry on and and then move it on and i think really it's about the the perception of the industry we can all contribute and i think actually you're right there's two things that fuels this industry is people and technology in my view to create a great business and it's about how you find that connection in your business and how you connect those two things some needs a bit more technology than others and the other way around. You need to find your algorithm, I often say. What is, um, what are you thinking about? Because there's been quite dire prediction post-COVID even and now with the uh, recession, uh, energy crisis, labor crisis you touched a bit on. Now we also have inflation that maybe starts to drop a bit, but still there. So, what is like your prediction when you because you've both been on a you know your supplier side but also you've been in the in the in the trenches doing the job as an operator what is your look at the future if you had a crystal ball <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't that be nice to have a crystal ball <laughs> i think i think it's a, it's um yeah, there's clearly a lot of like the 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 past few years have been extremely disruptive right like we've we've had covid and come out of that and then there's this energy crisis and and inflation which clearly is making it very hard in particular for the restaurant industry but i think businesses generally and i think there's you know there's some trends that will just keep happening right so so adoption of technology by restaurants the fact the focus on on sustainability and and the environment which will continue uh, there's also this interesting trend with with hybrid working where you've got people who you know it, it used to be pretty predictable when you were in in you know the city of london for example you'd have monday to friday be crazy busy uh, and now that's obviously been changed and 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 i don't think we know exactly where we're going to land on this hybrid working so they're still having to figure this out which is you know how how do you operate in in this world where 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 people are working a lot from home but also in the office but I think I, I'm really hopeful because I think that although there's these there's these external factors, what was really incredible to see during the pandemic and even afterwards is how much restauranters adapted, right? They were like, I, I remember Leon uh, uh, during the pandemic who were like straight away, within a week, they were like, we're just going to do deliveries. We're going to like, and, and you know, at that time, everyone was kind of like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? But they just jumped in and it was like, we're figuring out how we're going to do this. And I think we saw that a lot during the whole pandemic where, you know, they started doing deliveries and then they started doing like cook at home meals. And, and, I, and the industry has continued to evolve and adapt both in terms of offerings, People, technology, all of these pieces have been like evolving. And that's why I'm so um, positive on my outlook, because I think although there's been a lot of disruption, this is creating a lot of opportunities. And 
a lot of new models and ways of working have come out of it. And that's why I think it'll be an incredible. So it feels uncertain in certain ways, but I think there's a lot, there's, there's huge potential. Yeah, and I think also you're absolutely right. I've seen some of the best actually using this, you know, you call opportunities, the obstacles to actually become better and actually force themselves to think out of the box and actually maybe take a punt because we don't have any other chance to take that punt. And it comes back a bit to when you talk about this more lean startup kind methodology, you know, if you go into the tech world from Eric Rice, where he talks about, you know, you know, try it out, you know, fail and learn. <laughs> try it out, fail and learn. And then you find the winning formula much quicker than you think you could predict everything and just follow the normal route. And and then sometimes the market rejects it and sometimes your customer rejects it. Yeah. By the way, that, you know, one of our core values at Tenzo is experimenting and learning. And I believe this is really, you know, as a startup at the end of the day, you have to run constant experiments. And the more you run that are successful, the more likely you will be successful. And I, and I think about this for business generally. And that's why at Tenzo, I hope we're helping our customers being able to run these experiments and see what the outcome is in the data, right? It's really encouraging them to say, hey, try to sell a new dish or a new drink or a new way to sell it and look at the data, what it's telling you, whether you've been doing it better, right? But you have to. And, and that's what I think the industry did so well during the, during the pandemic. Yeah, that is quite interesting. A very good friend of mine sent me talking about this, uh, sent me this book the other day here, and then you, 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 you guys out there can't see it, but exactly say, I try, I fail, I learn. And it's from David Hyatt out in uh, in Wales, Hyatt Jeans. Uh, look it out, guys, if you haven't seen it. And they do this yearbook every year. And here's like their histories of failures and, you know, successes and what they learned. And, and I think really, we really, we have to keep on thinking like that in any business. And I think because the, it's not only restaurants, but actually now it's come to restaurants as well because it's moving so fast and it's going to continue and we just have to adapt to that mindset. And actually it's okay to fail. And I think I think that's another thing where failure has not been an option before maybe. Totally. And you know the interesting thing, so I have two very young kids, but now when I'm thinking about what, you know, as they grow up and you know as you think about how their education it, you know you you kind of start thinking about these things a bit more like how do you make them a resilient person how do you make them really you know be able to embrace risk and i i totally agree with you i think as a as a society we've always been quite negative on failure and being like if you fail that's not a good thing and but actually that's the only way to learn really properly learn right like if if you don't by just doing it in a controlled environment where you don't fail, does the learning really go in? No, it's really when you've tried it and seen it and, and seen that it failed, you say, okay, now I know how I would do it differently. And that I think as, a, as an industry, as a business, and as a person is so important to be able to embrace that. Uh, lead perfectly to the next question I want to, to answer, uh, ask you. So what has your most significant learning been over the last couple of years as a business owner? Um, I think it's it, it's coming back to that experimenting and learning, right? Because the thing is, the disruption when, especially when the pandemic hit, like no one knew what was going on. Let's be honest, like no one was like, "What is this?" Right? And and I think the only and you know people reacted differently, but I think the the thing that 
we came to realize quite quickly is like the only way we're going to come out of this is really if we try to we test things, we try things, we see what works and what doesn't work because no one knew the answer. That's the important thing is because it was such a unique situation. And and even now, if I think about like, you know, this this inflation, which we haven't seen in like 40 years at this level, right, is no one in living memory is like working at the moment that's seen what this is like. And, and, and so there's no answer. If there was an answer, everyone would be doing it and, and we'd just be going. The, the only answer is really experiment and learn and see and, and, and be ready to change and be comfortable with that, with that failure. And, and if it works, great. And if it doesn't, you move on. Yeah, and that's super interesting to take it up at a society level as well, because come back to school as well. Like, you know, if you don't pass the exam, you failed. In principle, you just learn what you need to know next time, and then you go and do it again, in principle. Uh, and it's really interesting how entrepreneurial, you know, skills becomes really, really important to to exist in this world. So me and my wife, we, fo- we have two young kids as well. We focus a lot on, you know, not not saying it's entrepreneurial skills to them but that resilience piece of you know it's okay it didn't go as you thought but then just try again up we go the, the most important is to show up and improve one percent every day then you win 37 percent uh, or seven thirty-seven times better by the end of the year or by the end of the decade or whatever it is Christian, uh, what are you most excited about right now? What's going on in your world that you are absolutely, you know, levered about that's, that's, that's either happening soon or are happening right now? So I read a book about a couple of years ago called Play Bigger. I don't know if you've, yeah. if you've read this book. It's an excellent w- w- book that I'd read. And basically what it talks about is the how to create a category and how as a as a business you can become that category leader and really when i reflect back uh, so this this was about a couple of years ago and when when we started reflecting back on what we had learned with tenzo and what we what i had learned previously in in my career really we started realizing that what we're doing at tenzo is actually really a new category when you think about it so if you as a restaurateur if you think about you know, you set up a restaurant, there's millions of things you have to think about, right? But from a, from a operational and data point of view, you think about three things, really, you think about your POS, you think about your labor, and you think about your inventory, your three levers that you're pulling, and you think about what tools you're going to put, and there's lots of great POSs, labor tools, inventory tools, and, and we partner with over 70 different ones that are out there on the market. But really, you've got these, seven, these, these three silos of data. So you're getting lots of sales data, labor data, inventory data. But you're not have, you don't have a way to look at this to really be able to make your, the right decisions. And really, when you think about it, like, what is it that you're trying? You're, you're, you're really looking to optimize the performance of the restaurant based on those three levers. And this is why we're, I, what I'm very excited about is uh, this new category that we're launching called Restaurant Performance Ops, which is really thinking about how do you really think about the performance of your business 
and, and, and focus on these three levers to be able to do it. And this is all about getting that data in the hands of your GM so that they make better decisions, so they improve 1% every day, as you say, so that at the end of the, of the year, it's 37 times better than they, if they hadn't done that, right? If they had made it worse every day by 1% or stayed the same, right? And, and this to me is what I'm so excited about because when I look at the industry and I look at all these wonderful restaurateurs, these super creative people with, that come up with incredible food and I've eaten some great food from all these restaurateurs and it just breaks my heart to see so many of them fail, not because they're not incredible restaurateurs or incredible business leaders, but just because they don't have the tools to really be able to like look and make the right decisions and get their teams to make the right decisions on a day-to-day basis. So that's, that's uh, I am, I'm extremely excited to see what the reaction of the, of the industry to this will be, because I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge opportunity. So, so how do you, how is that going to, it sounds really interesting because I think that's any entrepreneur, if you're, you know, I'm involved in a couple of businesses and I play a role in that. There's some creative people actually often getting that, you know, framework and help with that framework and actually knowing that you are measuring and putting the right thing in, in there and actually looking at the right thing. What, what is it, what is that people can expect that comes from, from, from Tensor? What can you unpack the box a little bit more and people say oh what exactly it's gonna what are they gonna do what is uh, what's gonna happen totally very, very happy to I, I think fundamentally it's it's the, it's this framework that we want to 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 get in place which is about aggregating all your data so that's bringing in all this data automatically in real time without you having to do any manual work right so we use apis or different tools to bring in the, the data derive insights and prediction from that. So using that that information to be able to automatically alert you if there's a if you're overspending on something or if there's too much labor at some point or if you you're missing out on like sales opportunity. And then finally really being able to act on that. So really getting it really easily on mobile in the hands of their GMs, the RMs, the, the head office to really be able to make sure everyone is on the same page, everyone knows what needs to happen. And this tool doesn't exist today because when you think how the industry is solving this today, it's really by using Excel to pull data from various sources to use Power BI maybe if, if you're a bit more advanced. But the problem with these tools is they haven't been thought about in a way, how do they how do they work for hospitality specifically? But more 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 so, like how does it work for GMs, general managers? I remember when I ran my restaurants, I'd send them an Excel, and the reaction would be like, "Your Excel is always full of mistakes. <laughs> it's always late, and I freaking hate Excel, right? Because it's not a tool that they they're used to like interacting with. And that's why I think it's about like making it simple, making it not overloading them and making it so that they can see this data and be like, yes, I know what to do. And now I can get on with what I love, which is making great food. Very exciting times ahead because that's gonna help the front line make better decision. And the, you know, as we know, the both the experience and the profit and the success of your business is created out in this front line. What what the what is uh, what is your top advice to 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 leaders out there that that wants to build a successful business? I call always a force for good. What is your top advice to them? Lots lots of thoughts on that. So, um, and a lot of them from from 
make, do, not doing it the right way <laughs> as uh, to start out. So I think the first thing is to really start out with a clear purpose, right? Is is really d- define this purpose, mission, and vision because I think really in order to attract the right people to do to 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 deliver on what your your vision is, you need to set it out extremely clearly and and also be aligned with them. Um, and at the end of the day, I believe, you know, a business is only as successful as the people who are in that business. And if you can't attract the right people who understand what the mission of the business is, you're, you're not going to be successful. And I think off the back of that, you really need to define the values of the business clearly. And we actually did a really interesting exercise. So when we first launched the business, we did what probably most businesses do. It's like, what should be our values? Come up with seven values. We put them up on the wall. No one really identified with them. Everyone looked at them and be like, what's, you know, what's this? We then did an exercise where we brought everyone together. We, we divided in team. We talked about what the values and we realized one, we had too many. Seven is too many for people to remember. Two, they didn't really have like much action that came from them. People didn't identify with them. They're not in our language. There was just stock imagery on them. And really it came out where we came out with five values that now people understand. We've put squads behind each value i.e a, a group of team of team members who actually think about how are we living this value are we living this value because at the end of the day if it's just on the wall there's no point having it right and and i think the that filters through to really creating the right team and it comes back to what i was saying in terms of making sure you have the right individuals you need to make sure you have this positive culture and setting the bar extremely high when you're when you're hiring you know we you know, we've been we've hired about uh, 15 people in the last six months. And I think we've had the success rate to get through is 0.6% from an application to get through 0.6%. We interview a ton of people, but that is the only way to really make sure there's a good cultural fit, that there's, there's not just skills, but will also. And and so if you're going to be wanting to deliver as on your, on your mission for force to good, you have to have incredible people to do that. And the final bit, I will say the final ingredient, if you want, is really encourage the team to experiment and learn because there's no right and wrong answer. You can't tell and you have to go and try it and see what will work. I love that, Christian. You can see I was smiling a lot because like, uh, one of the things I'm really sticking for me as well and I build team is like culture and figure out how we do it. And actually I've done the same as you, put it on the wall, find out it didn't work. And then we actually, what we did was like get people together and help to define what exactly, what kind of company and culture do you want to be and how do we actually bring this to life? And then when you get that defined and you go out and teach it, you said you talked about the group of people and you live it, and then you measure it. And then of course you're rewarded in the end. And then you repeat those five steps. And when you get that right, you can build something really incredible and powerful. And then as Jim Collins says, you know, great vision without great people is irrelevant. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, what is the one question you wish I've asked you today, Christian, that I didn't ask you? And what would the question be and what would you have answered? I mean, I think you've asked some some really good questions. I mean, uh, I, I, I think the, 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 the question would be around why, why I like the hospitality industry so much, right? Like what, what, because I don't think we talked about the why of the of going into the hospitality industry maybe as much um, i think we touched a bit on it but, but 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 you know i think it's you know it's 
first of all, with great food, right? And I, and I love great food, I must say. <laughs> That's where it all starts. But it's also the community. I remember when we ran Hummus Brothers, there was, we had this location on Wardour Street. And one day, the, the roof caved in. Okay. Thankfully, it was before it was open. Thankfully, no one got hurt. But I remember like just the whole freaking ceiling just caved in, right? And we had just one location at the time. We were building our second location. So we were like, there was these two building sites that we had at the same time. And the support from the community was incredible because we had the neighboring restaurants who were just like, listen, if you need a space to work in whilst, we're, whilst you're rebuilding, if you need us to help your team if they don't have work if you know like they were just basically wanting to help in any way and and that i felt was just so amazing to be part of a community where although we were competing on a day-to-day obviously right there was there was still like hey someone's in need we're going to help them out and i think that's just an incredible feeling to be in that in that industry that was a very good question and a very good answer. You because why actually? Because like we often sometimes just take for granted we're in hospitality, as you said, it's a tough industry and actually and I love the thing about the community, actually how people come out and help and contribute when when it's hard time for others. Um where where can people uh, connect with you or Tenzo or find out more about what what you're up to and maybe look out for this new thing coming that can help them improve their operational performance and business performance. Totally. Well, so, I mean, obviously on, on, on LinkedIn, uh, you know, you, you can follow Tenzo or, or myself on LinkedIn um, and, and on our website, gotenzo.com. We're also going to be at the HRC um, Expo um, the, the week after this podcast is released. So this is going to be a place where we're going to be uh, launching the, the, the new brand and you'll be able to find out about everything we are excited about on this. So that, that's, those are the places you can find me. Great, great. Thank you so much, Christian, for, for taking time out and sharing your incredible wisdom and insights. I send you and the team at Tenso power and energy for, for the launch ahead. Thank you so much, Michael. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to Biz Simply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bizsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick. <laughs>